I feel like I've reached the pinnacle of ministry now. I got introduced by Pastor Peter. It's been my dream. And <laughs> so good. And if serving, uh, serving faithfully gives you gray hair, I'm in. I just love any kind of hair, to be honest. And uh, if it's gray, I take it. I take it. It's good. Awesome. You good? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach the word tonight. Thank you uh, for our senior pastors. Thank you for Pastor Peter and Bev. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the legacy that they have left. And if they want a bookmark, there is one. Uh, if you want that quote that Pastor Peter was talking about, we actually have bookmarks with it on straight out there. Look at that shameless plug. It's free to you. So God, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to glorify you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for every generation, Lord, that has done their part, Lord, that has sown, and Lord, even sown, sometimes not even seen the harvest in their lifetime. God, I thank you, Lord, that our life is not about us, it is about you. And God, I thank you, faithfulness is sown, not so much the result, Lord, that we'll see that later on. But Lord, I thank you for faithful people, in Jesus' name. Amen. All good? So uh, after Pastor Peter saying that, I do actually have a message to the millennials and Gen Z. Is there anyone in between? Have I skipped a generation? No one knows. Okay. This generation, that's right. But there's, uh, the, the heart of the message tonight is for us to, uh, who, who wants to like, like after Pastor Paul's um, celebration, I was just so inspired by the longevity, the faithfulness, the, you know, just absolutely inspiring. And so I've been sitting on a message called, um, To Whom Shall We Go? And I want to look at a couple of things about a, a situation that happened in the Bible where there were some disciples who stayed and some disciples who left. And uh, I want to be one of the disciples who stay. Anyone else want to stay in the faith? Uh, because it's not just how you start, it's how you finish also. And uh, we want to leave a legacy, right? We want, to, we want to be faithful to the end. We want the author and the finisher, and we just want to have a good run. And uh, so hopefully this message is going to count, kind of help you to, tonight. So let's go to John 6, 22. Uh, reading out the English Standard Version, apparently, because it's Pastor Mike's favorite. I've been told that today. So... This is for you, Mike. Uh, on the next day, the crowd that uh, remained, this is just after Jesus actually just fed the 5,000. Uh, awesome miracle. Who doesn't love a food miracle? Amen. My jokes will get better as we go. And uh, if you just amen me, I'll just stop making jokes because I'm just after response. Uh, so, <laughs> amen. Thank you. All right. So, this is just after he's fed the 5,000 and he, crossed the, he walked on the water, crossed the other side. And, and so, we're going to pick it up in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. It's just a good time to seek Jesus, right? When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Amazing. Got a, got a whole crowd following Jesus because he's given out free lunch. Just a great strategy for growing a church, home group, food. Free food, people will come. All right? <laughs> you bake it, they will come. So, so <laughs> truly, truly, I say you're not seeking me not because you saw the signs, because you ate the fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on, him, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Pretty, pretty simple, right? To believe in Jesus. At, at, the, at the very core of it, it is faith, it is belief 
and who Jesus is. Pastor Peter preached on it this morning about who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. Amen. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good dude. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a famous dude from 2,000 years ago. He is the Son of God. Amen. I didn't realize that that was so important until I went to a spirituality week at Massey University and everyone was claiming Jesus. He was a prophet. Some of the new age people thought he was just a being on another plane, and that's why he could walk through walls and buildings and stuff. Crazy. You got to know who Jesus is. All right. Uh, so where am I? Uh, what work do you, uh, and he said to him, what, what then sign do you have that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I said to you, it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I said to you, I just went up another line. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. This is good news for you tonight. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I know a lot of thirsty people around the world, right? But I said to you that you, I said to you that you have seen me and yet not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's just great right there. It's amazing God's faithfulness. That even when we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. For I've come down from heaven, uh, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Hallelujah, resurrection life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Familiarity is never a good, good, good time. When we try and, you gotta honor who God honors. You have to honor, the Bible says that if you honor a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. What's that saying? It means you honor Christ in people so you can receive Christ in them. I thought that was a good point, but anyway, no one's amen. Not even Pastor Peter, so. <laughs> so <all> good. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Peter. <laughs> Do not grumble among yourselves. It's just a good word for someone. Just stop grumbling. Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly. How do you mean he's telling the truth when he says truly, truly? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. And I am, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Come on, just Jesus on the cross. It's good news for us. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, there's a lot of partaking of Jesus right here, right? That's where the life is. It's some partaking of the, of the body and the blood of Jesus. That's where the life is because he is life. When we partake of life, we receive life. 
As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can listen to it? <laughs> but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, were, who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away also? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen? That's all my scripture tonight, so we've got that out of the way. Everyone can believe big, deep sigh of relief. <laughs> right here, we're seeing disciples leave because of a cultural hard understanding. If you know anything about the Jewish culture and law, uh, to drink the blood of anything was a no-no. To drink the blood of a human being is, is, a, is, is not cool. Can cannibalism is, is not kosher. Just, let's just throw that out there. All right, there was no medium rare steaks getting around in Jerusalem. Everything is well done. There's, there's, there's no drinking of blood. And as I'm reading this, I'm, 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 I'm looking at our culture today. And, and, and some of the things that Jesus says, some of the things the Bible says uh, I, I don't want get, to get too um, topical tonight, but about gender, about, uh, about sexuality, about all these things that are going on in the world, uh, they are hard to swallow. They are a hard thing to understand in our culture. And so we see right here that we have, and, and this is a very interesting fact, because it wasn't just the crowd that left, it was disciples who left. Crazy. So disciples are leaving. And, and I don't know what that does for the argument of people who are saying um, people are leaving Christianity because they're not being discipled. Well, even Jesus had disciples leave. So just because we've got a great discipleship program doesn't mean that everyone is 100% guaranteed going to follow the Lord. Jesus had disciples leaving because there was a hard cultural context to understand. And they said, hey, this is not cool anymore. This is too hard to, to swallow. This is too hard to handle. So they chose to leave. Crazy. Absolutely Crazy. But I believe if we look at this passage with eyes wide open, we can see a couple of really big differences between those who stayed and those who left. All right? So where am I? Firstly, we're going to go right to this. I think it matters how we come to Jesus. I really think it matters how we come to Jesus. Uh, we, we preached last week on Resurrection Sunday. Everyone wants resurrection life. No one wants to die. <laughs> but it's a co-crucifixion a co-burial, and a co-resurrection. We want, we want life, but we don't want to die. And it matters how we come to Jesus. Now, if we see the 12 that said, hey, we, who, to whom shall we go? We're, we're going to stick with you, Jesus. I, I believe they still found it hard to swallow. I still believe they didn't have an understanding of what that meant. That's kind of weird. Why is he saying eat, eat him and drink him? That's, how do you process that? But they had nowhere else to go. Well, you say, well, why did they have nowhere else to go, Corey? Because when, when Jesus called them, it said they forsook all and followed. So, so they left their boats, they left, left their fishing net, they even left their dad. I don't know how the family business went after that, but anyway, that's, the Lord can sort that out. But they left everything and they followed Jesus. 
And I think one of the issues with our generation is we, we, we keep telling people that to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you nothing. But it, it, it costs. It costs to give up your life. It costs to leave your boat behind, leave your net behind. And, and, and our, our, our generation has this thing of FOMO we think we're going to miss out. We don't even want to lock into one gender just in case we miss out on another. I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw it out there. It is a spirit that we, are, that we are facing that we never want to put our eggs all in one basket because what if, what if there's another basket? What if I miss out? What if I just lock into a job for like 10 years? Well, no one stays in a job for 10 years anymore, like a couple, three months, and then I have to keep going to one place. Can I work from home? Like, I need more options. We've got Starbucks. You go in there, there's like 20 options of how you have a coffee. I'm just like, get a flat white, just... Get some coffee and some milk and get out of here. But it is an actual thing that we have to talk about about our generation that it actually matters how you come. And when you come forsaking all, there's nothing to run back to. There's no way back. I mean, when Elisha called, called Elisha, it says that he put his mantle on his back and then Elisha burnt his plow. He was plowing the field. He burnt it as a sacrifice to the Lord. He had nothing to go back to. And then he ran after the man of God. And our generation needs to know that, that to follow Jesus is an all or nothing kind of deal. There is no half-hearted Christianity. And no, that's not legalism, that's truth. Because if you haven't forsaken all to follow, when there's an opportunity to leave and there's something to go back to, you'll go back. And especially when you get a hard saying, especially when you read something in the Bible and it makes no sense and it seems harsh in the culture that we live in, we'll take a step back and we'll leave because maybe we weren't following Jesus for Jesus. Maybe we were following him because he's given us a free lunch. Amen. So we forsake all to follow, to follow him. So we can see right here that the disciples who followed were responding to the call. Jesus says, follow me. So just, just basic Christianity, you are responding to the call of Jesus Christ. There was a group of disciples who were responding to a popular people movement. Jesus had a crowd, he's doing cool things. This is awesome. I'm feeling it. The vibes are just right. They, they, they play music that I like. You know, the pastor wears a hat, all this amazing relative stuff. <laughs> but there was, there, was, there was disciples that answered a call, a personal call from the Lord. He said, follow me. And they forsook all and followed. And I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, okay, guys, here's my PowerPoint, my PowerPoint uh, 10 benefits of following me. Here you go. Here's what's going to happen. And he puts up there, okay, so you're all going to be martyred. Who's signing up for that? Right? We're going to be hungry. We're going to be spending some nights in the desert. Um, we're going to get persecuted. He just says, follow me. And there's a, and there's a follow. And I feel like our generation, we, we want to know everything first. We want to know, like, what, what does it mean? You know, we, we, we want to ask the question, Why? And it sounds so good, but it's, sometimes it's just like you just need to believe and just, just go. As Pastor Peter says tonight, just get out of the boat and just go after it. I don't understand anything. Let's just go after the Lord. All right? That's how I've lived my life, and I'm 36 years old, and I've made it this far. <laughs> With just brute strength and ingrates. Just I love Jesus. It's good, right? So they, they followed. They followed him because they were responding to a call. I love that old hymn that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And I love this one line that says that, no, that none go with me, still I will follow. 
And I like to have those moments with the Lord. Okay, am I following because other people are following? Am I following because it was popular? I mean, Christianity is not popular in New Zealand anymore. Are we, are we actually Christians? Do we love the Lord? Have we made a decision to follow Jesus? And, and it may cost us some workmates and it may cost us um, the odd comment on Facebook. Talk about persecution, right? When someone puts an angry face on your status. Come on, millennials, we can do this. We can, we can go through this. Imagine that, Pastor Peter. Imagine running stories about our generation and these other people are going through all this hardship and we were going through Facebook dislikes and, and comments and people deleting us and taking away our friend requests. And, oh, man, woe was us. Woe was us. <laughs> so so there, was, there, were, there, was people, there were people following Jesus for who he was. There were other people just following him just because he was just putting on a free lunch. It's just, it was good. I mean, we've got to make sure that when we're telling people about Jesus that not everything's going to go well in your life. God will be with you. God will be faithful. God's going to be with you in it. There is benefits, 100% there is benefits to following the Lord. I'm not here to say that it's all, it's all doom and gloom. But what I am saying is that if we're coming to God because of what He can do for us in the sense of give us a free lunch or just keep providing for us, and then, hey, we, we're worshiping Jesus for who Jesus is. Amen? Um, so secondly, secondly, what we can see, I don't even know if that was the first point. So the first point was they're responding to a call. Secondly, uh, the disciples followed because of who Jesus was. Peter said, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The other one said, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he, know, how does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So we have disciples that stayed because they have a revelation of Jesus and we had disciples who left because they thought he, they knew who he was, but didn't actually know who he was. And I think that the, 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 the language in this is so interesting because it says, to whom? Peter says, to whom shall we go? Not to what, to whom? Because to leave Christianity is not to leave a church. It's not to leave a program. It's not to leave a set of beliefs and principles. To leave Christianity is to leave a whom? I don't think we've, we've realized that. Like even in disappointment and hard seasons and when stuff happens in our life, when we walk out in Christianity, we're not walking away from a what. To whom shall we go? Like to whom shall we go? So, so we have life, we have the way, we, we have the truth right here in a person. His name is Jesus. So to whom shall we go? Yeah, this is hard. I don't understand it. I can't understand it. Culturally, this makes no sense. This is, this is gonna cost me. And, and for those people who it was going to cost them a free lunch, they were happy to leave. But the ones that were there for Jesus himself, well, to whom shall we go? Who can replace Jesus? Like, I don't know, it's, it's really sobering and healthy for us to think, well, to whom would we return to? Like, for me to return to, my, to me? Wow, that's depressing. Like, yeah, I know, I know, I know what I was like pre-Jesus. To return to just me? to being the king of my own life, to trying to do life on my own, to, to trying to be self-righteous, to, to, to return to me, to, to live just for me, is horrible. I can't return to that. There's no peace there. There's no joy. There's no salvation. There's no righteousness. There's nothing. There's no forgiveness. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm in shame. I'm condemned. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I can't return to that. And I don't even know how far to go with this tonight, but we were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, of his son. So am I gonna return back to serving the devil? 
None of us want to talk about that because we're all good people pre-Jesus, right? And we just need a little top up. But my Bible says that I was actually in another kingdom. And I was actually presenting my body for unrighteousness. And I was actually fulfilling the plans of the devil on the earth. Was I consciously doing that? No, but I was a sinner. And the flesh and sin was manifesting through me. I was not serving Jesus. I was serving someone else. And we forgot about this in our Christianity. It's a whom. You're serving someone. You're not just picking a, a religion. You're not just, you're serving someone. So to whom shall I return to? Amen. Whew. So Peter said, to whom shall I go? To whom, to whom, to whom should I go? This is why we have to keep constantly pointing people to Jesus, to a person, to the one that, that, makes, it, that makes us right, the one that gives us his righteousness, the one who loves us, the one who forgives us, and we just keep running to him. And, and, and I've made a decision that I have forsaken all others, so forsaking him is not an option. Come on, you just gotta get to the place in your life that to forsake him, to whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? Even if, even if it costs me friends, even if it costs me family. That's why Jesus actually said these things. That's when he said, like, you have to love, love me, you're gonna hate your mother and hate your brother. He's not talking about hate like comes from the devil. He's talking about, I have to be first. I have to be first in your life. You have to be willing to give up all those things and still cling to me even when it's not culturally relevant, even when the Bible says there's a male and a female, uh, even when the Bible says there's only one way and his name is Jesus, not every road leads to Rome. Come on, he is the way, the truth, and the life. So to, to leave him, to, to, to not have him, where, where are we gonna go? There's no one to go to and we need to have, this is why I believe that the early church turned the world upside down because I, I actually believe they forsook all and just followed Jesus. And I don't think it was because they didn't have things that they were wrestling with and going through. I don't think it was they didn't have any pressure from the external world or the culture around them or the Roman Empire. Come on, guys. They weren't worried about all that getting sorted out before they could actually make a stand. They weren't worried about when Christianity became popular. Now we can all come out and say we're Christians on our Facebook. Come on, tick that Christianity box. I'm a Christian. Okay, cool. Come on, these guys were living it because they forsook all to follow and they turned the world upside down because they did, not life, they did not love their own lives unto death. They had already died in Christ. They were no longer living for them. When I read my Bible, there is a prayer I pray every day. God, I'm not alive for me. I'm not alive, I'm not a, I'm not alive for me. I do, you do not owe me anything. God does not owe me anything. That'd just be good for us just to say out loud right now. God, you do not owe me anything. The people around me do not owe me anything. I owe the world an encounter with you. Oh, come on, that'll preach. That'll preach. And when times get tough and things happen, and I, I, I'm, just, I'm well aware of what we're facing. I'm well aware of what's coming in our nation and the nations of the earth. And, and to be a closet Christian is no longer gonna be acceptable. To be a closet Christian is gonna be the disciples who left. Why? Because Jesus is saying unpopular things now. <laughs> Why is he saying that? What, he, could he like just read the, read the room? That's really offensive. How would you say that? Oh, well, it's just about loving, brother. Yeah, 100% it's about loving, but loving tells the truth. That's why you, you love people. And so, to, to tell someone, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Just be confused in your sexuality. Just be confused. It's fine. Jesus loves you. I get it. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. Amen, Corey. Come on. And our generation just needs to swallow a, a pill and just get on with that. 
And when I say pill, I don't mean an antidepressant. I mean a harden up pill. And uh, my old boss used to say, just take a teaspoon of concrete. And uh, I'm saying this because I love this generation. I'm not mocking this generation. But I'm well aware of what we live in. And I'm well aware of some of our mindsets. I'm well aware that the, the pendulum is shifting. And we can't fit biblical Christianity into the way culture is. We are going to be countercultural. And so my concern, my heart is that, are we going to be able to stand? Are we going to be able to just actually stay with Jesus? <laughs> or are we going to forsake him and run back to I don't know what? And so it's just good for us to say, hey, I'm just, I'm just in with Jesus. Like, I'm just in with Jesus. And I love that Jesus just, he talks about us and, and the bride, and, and that's what a marriage is. Like, I actually think that's the reason for our broken marriages. It's the reason for our broken families. It's the reason for our broken churches is that we don't want to fully commit to one thing. And so the revolutionary idea for our generation is you have to fully commit to the Lord and forsake all others. Just like in your marriage, just like it, you, 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 you give yourself to that one person. You're not shopping. You're not looking for other options. You're not saying, well, these sandwiches don't taste great anymore. Uh, that wasn't in my notes. I don't know where that came from. What I'm saying is we're, we're, we, are, we are faithful. And I always love how Jesus talks about faith. He talks about persistence. He talks about a continual knocking. He says, will I find this kind of faith on the earth? Will I, take, will I find the kind of faith that just remains? That people are just, they're just, they're just with me. They've just, I'm clinging to Jesus and I'm never letting go. And I know it's easy to talk about this. And I do, I do wanna clarify tonight. Please, please don't have the immaturity to think that the people who are still around and are still being faithful to the Lord, it's because they've had nothing hard happen in their life. Because sometimes we, we rubbish that and we're like, well, you haven't been through what I've been through. You, 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 you've got, you know, you're blessed. You, I see you on Instagram, you're great. Your life's so rosy. It's, it's, it's an immaturity to think that people are still committed to the Lord and joyful, full of the presence and the power of God because they've never had to face any kind of hardship. If you would take more than four seconds to have a conversation with someone and hear their story, every single one of us have been through something. But we all made a decision, regardless of how my life goes, I have made a decision to follow Jesus. So we don't forsake when things get hard. We don't leave. Even as disciples, we don't walk away. We don't leave when things get tough or things are hard to understand because we have made a commitment to stay with Jesus. And to be honest, we burnt the bridges to our past. We burnt the bridges to where we used to be. There is nothing to go back to. There's only Jesus. There's only Jesus. That's all we've got. And when I say all we've got, that may sound, that's, that's beautiful. To have Jesus is amazing. That's, he's everything we need. We sing the songs. I'm not sure if we believe it, but to have Jesus is to have everything. The Bible says that we have our completeness in him. He is the fullness of the Godhead. It's Jesus, and we get to have him in us, and we're in him, and we are not lacking. It says that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness because of what we have in Christ. He is the treasure. He's the great pearl. He's the, he's the, he's the field that you sell everything else and just buy the, hear this, hear this, one field. Sell everything else and just buy the one plot of land. Oh, come on. Someone needs to hear this tonight. You sell everything else and you just buy the one plot. Well, isn't that like a bit extreme? Christianity is extreme, friend. I'll tell you that right now. It is extreme. If you actually want to live it out, it is extreme. It is very, it is very death to life. Please don't just think this is my personality. 
please don't just think, let's just Corey. No, no, Christianity, you give everything. And I think where we've gone wrong is we've, 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 we've hmm. just say we've one more time, Corey, just to stop it off. We've allowed thinking to creep into our culture that has made us justify why we can be discouraged, why we can be hurt, why we have a reason to go back. But when I read my Bible, I don't see a way back. I just see a Savior who has wiped the past away. I see a, a Savior that loves us. I see a, a, a God that gave his all for us upon the cross, and there's no one else to go back to, and there's nothing else that's ever going to compare to who Jesus is. That's what I see. That's what I see. And I know we can get hurt. I know we can get upset. I know life can throw us curveballs. Who else are we going to go to? If it's not Jesus, who else are we going to go to? There's no one to go to but to him. Amen. That's all I've got. Thank you, Lord. I pray that a keyboardist comes up right now in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you for every person in the room. I thank you, Lord, for this generation, the generation to come. As Pastor Peter said, we are here for such a time as this. God, I don't say it to mock. I don't say it to make fun of. But God, we need to be real about the pitfalls and the, the thinking of our generation that we need to align with biblical truth. Lord, following you will cost us. And there will be times where it will be hard. But we have made a decision to follow you. We've made a decision to cling to you. And we want to have the same response as the Apostle Peter. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe that you are the Holy Son of God. So God, we just cling to you afresh tonight. We cling to you afresh.